Bibles, if you would, and let's open up to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. And uh, I will tell you, even as the song services started, I've just got all kinds of things popping into my head on this subject tonight. But uh, I, I think we're going to look at a study in our Bibles to the connection of light and life. And uh, there, um, well, let's just read verse 3. Um, it says, And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. So, we have God speaking, and the first act of creation that is recorded is that he said, let there be light. And uh, if you've ever had uh, the problem of the lights going out, uh, that's, that's not a, a very pleasant experience. Uh, I've told the story more than once. Hope you don't mind hearing it again. But when we got this building, the uh, synagogue had put everything on timers. Uh, because it was breaking the Sabbath to kindle a fire or to turn on a light switch. And, and most synagogues, an Orthodox synagogue, still operates that way. Uh, in the old days, uh, we met one of the neighbors up here, and he said, yes, he said, they would hire me and my children to come and turn on the lights uh, every Sabbath in the building for their services. And later they put everything on electrical timers. But one time I was down in the basement... Uh, it was rather late, uh, very dark outside, and uh, I'm in a room looking at something, and I hear this click, and the lights just go out. You ever had that happen? It was like somebody turned the lights out. Well, that somebody was the one who set the timer. And, and I will tell you, those, those first few seconds, you just stand there going, wow, who... Turn the lights out. Why would someone come and turn the lights out? And, and uh, I don't know. You, uh, I uh, just felt that fear rising. And is there somebody out there? And I said, wait a minute. This is silly. And, and so I went out and I found out that it was the timer that had clicked and turned the lights off. And so what did I do? I took the little clips off the timer so they wouldn't do that again anymore. Amen. And later on... We got rid of all those timers, so that wouldn't happen. But here we have God creating light. And it's interesting that God had to separate the light from darkness and probably should have put some slides together, but there was an uh, astronaut, uh, a lady astronaut in the uh, uh, space shuttle, one time, and uh, took a camera up there with her and took pictures of the earth as the space shuttle went around. And it was an amazing thing. There was a line on the earth between day and night. 
and you could see it. And and you would see the lights come on, and and, and she actually took many, many pictures. I have, I have a slideshow somewhere uh, in one of my forgotten archives on the hard, forgotten hard drive, but uh, it's just absolutely amazing, to, just like God said, that is the way that it is. Now, I want you to turn with me to John chapter 1, if you would. John chapter 1. And really, what we're just trying to do here is uh, kind of whet our appetite for the subject. Look at the connection that is here. John chapter 1. And again, it's talking about creation. Verse 4 says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth into darkness... And the darkness comprehended it not. I'll tell you, it's an amazing thing that has never, ever happened. The darkness has never put out the light. But light always makes darkness disappear. Amen? Isn't that just in and of itself? And that's what it's telling us here. In this verse, it says, In him was life. And life was the light of men. Now, let's just look at this thing. Light, uh, if we want to understand light, we have uh, 128 light bulbs, I believe, is the total count, in these five chandeliers that give us light in, in the auditorium. And uh, one of the things that you might want to pray about is we're trying to find an LED substitute. Because this burns about 5,000 watts an hour. It's one of the reasons we have such a high electric bill. If we could get LED bulbs that would give the same amount of light, we could cut our electrical consumption by like 80%. Uh, the first bulbs, uh, Andrew ordered a set and we put them in there and I was like, Oh my, it just burned your eyes just to look at them. And so we're we're still looking, we're waiting until technology catches up. You're not going to put those silly compact fluorescents in there, I promise you. Uh, you wouldn't be able to read your Bible, you would leave church going like this. Um, just really bad technology, that's why our former president invested in it so highly, I guess, I don't know. Uh, but uh, you, you pray that we can uh, get that. Light is important. Light travels at about 186,000 miles per second. Uh, I googled it up on my phone before church, and from here to L.A., that would make, um, it would say 2,448 miles each way. You could just, you'd be about a half a mile or so, uh, less than 10 miles short of 38 round trips in one second. Now stop and think about that. From here, New York City to L.A., round trip 38 times, give or take 100 miles or so, in one second. That's how fast light travels. 
And when we talk about light, we are talking about the visible portion or the visible wavelengths of the electromagnetic spectrum. Now, when you use that great big word, it's talking about anything that travels in waves. All of your radio, all of your television, uh, the lapel mic that I'm wearing, they have to keep changing the wavelengths. Some of you will remember when we used to, uh, uh, every Sunday morning, uh, we had somebody up here on 30th Avenue or in the uh, near vicinity that would broadcast on some frequency and it would just blow out our uh, uh, lapel mics that would be picked up here. And, and we have to keep changing the frequencies. And it, it's, it's a blessing of God that we can only see a very small part of that bandwidth. Otherwise, you'd be able to watch television pictures blow through uh, the auditorium. Uh, in And how many cable networks are there now and channels? I mean, 1,000 channels. You'd be able to see everything. But you can't, not without a translator. That's what a television set is. and, and uh, Or your cable box, as it, as it may be. It is interesting that we have all kinds of light and we have all kinds of levels of light uh it's a science i mean uh uh lighting a building uh you have different types of light different colors of light different uh uh levels of lighting that you try to get i've been in some church auditoriums uh, that were built many years ago, and you could just barely read your Bible because there wasn't enough light in the auditorium. But how many of you have ever been underground in a cavern? They always love to take you down there, and what do they do? Somewhere along the tour, they're going to turn out the lights because it is an experience to be in a place where there is absolutely no light. The human eyes function on light. And uh, we make a big deal about our uh, soldiers having night vision and being able... Well, they really don't have night vision. What they have is a light amplifying um, equipment that takes the smallest bit of light and, and makes it into pictures. Other times they have what we call infrared that takes other wavelengths that we can't normally see and make pictures that we can. How would you like to be flying one of those helicopters at 200 miles an hour at rooftop level? But it can be done absolutely safe because they can see everything. Why? Because they have the equipment that transmits the light and puts it into images. And I'm glad I don't have that job, honestly and truly. But uh, I'm very thankful for the guys that can do that. Light is an amazing thing. But here is something that we just got to get. Light never comes from darkness. Light only comes from a source that emits light. And the closer you get to the source, 
the brighter the light gets. Amen? It's just to come. You say, but Pastor, I, I know that. That's, well, we, we need to think about this because the Bible makes a connection between light and life. Now, the simplest definition of life is what? Something that ain't dead. Amen? I mean, there is a difference. I used to work in a nursing home. That's how I got through Bible college. And I will tell you that some of those people that, that we, uh, I had to take care of as an orderly in the nursing home, they were as close to death as you could possibly be. Sometime for months, would not utter a word. Uh, the only nourishment they, they, they could take in was what you actually put in them. You would have to take a syringe and put water in it and put other juices and things. And, and, and this person was no, no cognitive uh, uh, behavior whatsoever, but they were still alive. And in that millisecond, when life changed to death, everything was different in the room. I don't care how close to death they were. When life was in the room, it was different. That second after the heart stopped beating. And I don't mean to get gory here, but sometimes people would be on oxygen and things like that, and they would be dead and their body would still be breathing for sometimes 15, 20 minutes just because the oxygen was keeping the tissues in the lungs and different things alive, but they were gone. And you could tell the difference. It was... It was it was very, very, sometimes scary, actually. Death was never, ever welcome. And you know what? How many of you go home and sit in a room and plug all the seams and then turn out the lights just so you can sit in darkness? If you do, I would challenge you uh, see me afterwards we need to sit down and talk now, don't we? How many of you, the first thing you do, turn on the light. If that doesn't work, you push the button on your cell phone. So at least you get a little bit of light in, in, in the room. We are attuned to light and we are attuned to life. You see, here's the whole reason why evolution is so important to the world in which we live. Because if evolution is true, then life can come from death. Because you have the primordial pool of ooze and it gets struck by lightning. Dr. Frankenstein uh, 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 Miss Shelley's terrible little offering at Horror stories and massive fiction where you take something that is dead and bring it back to life. How many people have made horrible stories? There has never been anything living come from something dead. And somebody might be arguing, but seeds aren't living. Hello? Yes, they are. 
there is life in that seed and you put it into the soil and it gets the right conditions. And by the way, you ever take a seed and uh, sometimes you do this in uh, school is you take the seed and put it in the soil and then put the cup in the closet where it can't get any light. And what happens? You get this weird white looking little thing sticking up and then it dies. Uh, I have tried to grow plants in my office. And uh, my children got me a lime tree once uh, several years ago. Actually, I got three different trees out of the deal. And the first two died and the third one I finally gave it to Brother Saravia and it's doing all kinds of wonderful things in a very lighted sun porch at his house. Uh, but in my office, all that would happen is all the leaves would start falling off. And then there was a stick. And then the stick would dry up and die. Uh, you know what? If you don't have light, what don't you have? Life. There, there's a connection. Light never comes from darkness. And life never comes from death. You must have something living to produce life. Amen? And here we have these things, and it's talking about Jesus here. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. And without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life. And the life is the light of men. The Bible is telling us here that life is light. Life brings light. Every time another child is born, guess what? We have hope and we have light for the future, do we not? One of the reasons why going to the Home Missions Conference at Heartland, uh, the first conference is in 1998, and I've only missed one since the first one. No, two, actually. I missed 1998. Yes, and I, and I missed one when Esther was born. Uh, and uh, so I've missed only two in, in all those years, and I am I'm just looking forward to going again. You know why? Because where there's life, new churches getting started, there's light and there's hope. And so we want, we want light. Every time a soul gets saved, and it's amazing all the argumentation and debate on the subject, but we preach the same salvation message that Jesus taught, that John the Baptist taught, that all the apostles taught. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. It's just that simple. And people want to argue. Well, that's that's your interpretation. That's that's just your religion. You, somebody said, 
where's the Baptist book where you get your doctrine? I said, right here. Oh, oh, that's what everybody says. Okay, I'll prove it to you. How many of you have heard me say? Well, come to our church and check it out. If I preach anything that isn't in this book, you come and talk to me. Uh, I've, I've told every person in this room that on an individual basis, when you first started attending the church, and, and from the pulpit on a regular basis, you see, there's something about God's Word. Let's turn to John chapter 8, and this is Jesus speaking here. John chapter 8 and verse 12. Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Now, how many of you know the context for that verse? Go back to verse 1 of the same chapter. And remember, the Bible always explains the Bible. It's always in context. Jesus went unto the Mount of Olives, and early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came unto him, and he sat down and taught them. And the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. Now, here's the story as Jesus is in the temple teaching. Now, it's interesting, in, in those days, if you were teaching, the teacher would sit and teach, and the people would all stand and listen. Aren't you glad we do that the other way around here? Uh, you all get to sit, and I stand and, and, and preach. And, and so, as Jesus was teaching, there was a rustle in the crowd, and here come the, the scribes and the Pharisees dragging this woman in, and they throw her down in front of Jesus and say, we have found this woman guilty of adultery and there's no questions about it. Now, the law says that she should be stoned. What do you say? And Jesus did what? He stooped down and started writing in the ground. And they kept asking him. You know, he was teaching. He was in the middle of teaching. And they stopped the teaching completely to ask Jesus this question. And instead of Jesus saying, don't bother me, boys. See me after the sermon's over. He just starts writing in the dust with his fingers. Someone said, I know what he wrote. You go back to Jeremiah chapter 17 and it talks about the children of the wicked. Their names shall be written in the earth. You just almost wonder if Jesus wasn't writing their names down. And the names of people that they had sinned with. Because they were convicted in their own conscience. Before it was all over, Jesus had made this, he stood, he made the statement. He that is without sin, let him first cast a stone. And it said from the oldest to the youngest, everyone was left. And finally it was just Jesus and the woman. And Jesus said, let's, let's just read it. 
Verse 10, when Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. Isn't it amazing? These Pharisees wanted Jesus to occasion the death of this woman so that they could take him to the Roman authorities and accuse him of murder. And yet, if Jesus allowed her to live, then they would say, he doesn't believe in the law of God. He doesn't believe in righteousness. He's, he's siding with the sinners again. You see, they thought they had him, didn't they? But you see, light never comes from darkness. And life never comes from death. Can we say amen to that? Now, I want you to turn with me to another passage here. Let's go to um, 2 Corinthians, if you would. 2 Corinthians. Just trying to illustrate the point here. As Paul is teaching... 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And let's just start in verse 12. But what I do, that I will do, that I may cut off occasion from them which desire occasion, that wherein they glory, they may be found even as we. Now that's a very difficult verse. But... What is happening is that people were accusing Paul of being a false teacher and that they had truth just like he did. And boy, we live in a day of competing truths, do we not? Uh, I mean, you study the politics, whether you like our president or our current president or do not, it really doesn't matter you you need to open your eyes and understand what they're trying to do to this man. It is unprecedented in American history. Uh, if anybody had tried one-tenth of these things with our former president, they would they shut him down. They would have completely. But we, we live in a world where people talk about lies as if they were true. And when you talk to certain people, they say, well, that, that's your truth. Well, could I challenge you that the Bible likens truth to light? And you can't have light and darkness abiding in the same room at the same time. You cannot have life and death in the same body at the same time. You're either dead or you're alive. Are we together? There's either light in the room or there's no light in the room. You can talk about the levels of darkness, but the reason you have to talk about levels of darkness is because there is some light still existent in the room. The reason you have to talk about levels of life is 
I mean, and people talk about, well, they're just near death and they're, they're almost dead and they're, they're, they're really dead, but their heart is still beat. Why? Because there's still life in the room. When death claims a soul, it's over. It's done. Only God has brought people back from the dead. Amen? And as we look at this, we find that there are going to be competing lights. For such are, verse 13, for such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. You see, not all that appears to be light is light. True light will always bring you closer to Jesus Christ. Amen? Probably one of the... How many of you drive a car? How many of you have ever been out on a country road and you see a light coming to you and all of a sudden you realize... Only one of the headlights of that approaching vehicle is working. And you can't tell which half of the vehicle is in your lane or not. Has anybody ever had? I mean, that is one of the most frightening experiences I have ever had. And I've had it happen more than once, especially in Pennsylvania. That's where my family is from. Those roads are dark. They're not lit very well. And one time we were just out in the middle of nowhere going to a little church, and I was driving the kids down these little back roads that my grandpa taught me about, and I just stopped and turned out all the lights without saying a word. It was, ah, in the car. What did you do? I said, I just wanted to show you how dark it is out in the country without the lights on. But if you've ever seen a car coming at you, and all of a sudden you realize... Only one headlight is lit. Boy, I'll tell you what, I have been terrified. I think I've lost years. I don't know. I mean, I lay on the horn and flash the high beams back and forth so I can find out where this thing is. That's, that's why you're supposed to have your lights on. I have a preacher friend that was killed in Washington State. He was driving down a little country road. About 2 o'clock in the morning, and a farmer was hauling hay. No lights on the back of the trailer. Brother LaFleur hit that trailer doing about 60 miles an hour, and he was into eternity before help arrived. Never saw it coming, because there's no light. Didn't know. He wasn't... Breaking any laws, the farmer was. 
And you know that we live in a world where everybody thinks they're right. And everybody thinks they have the truth. Well, could I challenge you that there's only one truth? And you can't own it. If you own it, it's not truth. It's a possession. You cannot own the law of gravity. It does not pay attention to you. Or the socket, Andrew almost dropped in my face this morning. He was... We were taking the scaffolding down over at Union... And I'm handing, we're putting tools in the bucket up and we're taking the scat. And I'm looking up and all of a sudden I see this cylinder just going. And I ah, and pull out of the way. Praise God. I think I had a guardian angel holding on to me and, and uh, just jerked me out of the way there. I mean, all I could see was that socket going right here. And uh, I'd be a pretty sight if that had happened, now wouldn't I? And uh, the Lord protected us and things. But what I'm I'm asking you to think about right now is this. What is your light? What are you depending upon to see? How do you understand things? Let's let's go to... um, the Sermon on the Mount here very quickly. Book of Matthew. And chapter 6. Let's look here in verse 22. It says, The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness. Now here's the context. Read the verse before it. Actually, let's go back to verse 19. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Now, doesn't the Bible say out of the heart are the issues of life? Amen. It says where your treasure is, that's where you're going to, your heart. And just to help you understand, the light of the body is the eye. The only place that light can enter your body in a perceptible way so that you can see and understand, it's got to come through your eyes. Without light, you cannot see. If you've ever been down in those caves and they turn out all the lights... One of the first things that happens uh, happened to me is I sit there and rub my eye and all of a sudden I see all kinds of colors. Well, why? Because I'm stimulating the octave ner- optic nerves, uh, I, I'm put, but I'm not seeing anything. Uh, they say, you can't see your hand in front of your face. And I 
hold my hand up. I see it right there. No. I knew my hand was there. And my brain was making my mind think. But you can't see if there's no light. The tiniest little bit of light in that situation changes everything now, doesn't it? If you're in darkness and you strike a match, all of a sudden it seems like it lights the whole room up. But if you're in a room like this and strike a match, it makes absolutely no difference at all in what you can see and what you cannot. The, body say, the Bible says that the light of the body is the eye. It says if your eye be single, and what it means simply by being single means truth. If your eye is understanding truth, if your eye is undivided in its attention, your whole body is full of light. But if your eye is evil... It says your body is full of darkness. And then what did Jesus say? If, the le- if therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness. No man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. Here's, here's what Jesus is trying... There's a connection. Life brings light. And if we want that light, it will give us life. Life brings light, but light also brings life. Let's move on. Let's go to uh, Proverbs chapter 6. Proverbs chapter 6. And we're going to just start in verse 20. My son, keep thy father's commandment and forsake not the law of thy mother. Bind them continually upon thine heart and tie them about thy neck. When thou goest, it shall lead thee. When thou sleepest, it shall keep thee. And when thou awakest, it shall talk with thee. For the commandment is a lamp and the law is light. And the reproofs of instruction are the way of life to keep thee from the evil woman, from the flattery of the tongue of the strange woman. And it goes on. It says here that the commandment is a lamp, that the law is a light. How many of you remember the pledge to the Bible? A lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The Bible will show us what is true and what is not. You see, in this passage, it tells us there's a source. You know, it is the parent's duty to teach their children. 
But there comes a point in every child's life where they must choose. It says, bind them. Tie them about thy neck. I wish I had a dollar for every preacher that complained about neckties that I heard. Uh, I'd be a very wealthy man. Uh, it says, bind them, continue. They're going to teach you. That's one of the reasons why we constantly talk about the Bible reading schedule. How can you know what the Bible says if you never read it? If you never pay attention to those words, and it will give you the direction that God would have you to have. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 16. Proverbs chapter 16. And this gives us a little bit of a a different category. This is actually a rhyme with verse 14. Again, Proverbs, Hebrew poetry is the uh, uh, rhyming or opposing of ideals. The wrath of a king is as messengers of death, but a wise man will pacify it. In the light of the king's countenance is life, and his favor is as a cloud of the latter rain. Now, in the days when the book of Proverbs was written, it was a day of absolute monarchs. The king could say, you die, and you died. You live, and you live. You know something? If you lived in a society like that, it would be rather important to stay on the right side of the king. Amen? Uh, Your life depended upon it. And that's just the point that is here, but we have a king. His name is Jesus. Amen? How do I get on his good side? How do I get in the light of his counsel, countenance? By paying attention to his words. Amen. How many people keeping the Ten Commandments? And I still have one. I, 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 still, I don't have one. I've never met any. I still have for one person who's gone to heaven by keeping the Ten Commandments, it could name me more than five of them. You would think if that's how you're getting to heaven, you ought to know them. Amen? You ought to know. And then uh, I always remind them, well, what about the 603 others that are in the Bible? Uh, Why are you only choosing the ten? There are 613 commandments in God's law. How in the world can I stay on the right side of the king in the light of his countenance? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. It's that simple. Amen? And as we understand here, light has to come from a source, so must life come from a source. Life and death do not exist at the same place At the same time. And light and darkness do not exist at the same place at the same time. You can have all kinds of degrees. And the Bible tells us, let's uh, go to 2 Timothy and we'll try to 
Actually, let's go to Psalm 27. We're running out of time here, and we'll try to close this down. Psalm 27. And while you got your finger in Psalm 27, just turn over a few pages to Psalm 36. We've got to get these two verses here. We don't have time to read the entire context of Psalm 36, but the first part of the psalm is talking about the position and the state of the wicked. And then it talks about God's mercy in verse 5. And what we want is verse 9. It says, For with thee is the fountain of life, in thy light shall we see light. O continue thy loving kindness unto them that know thee, and thy righteousness to the upright in heart. Now, Psalm 36 is telling us that with God is the fountain of life. If you want life, it comes from God. And every life that we can trace on the earth today goes back to an original source, which is God. Life comes from God. It is the fountain of life, and here's what it says, And in thy light shall we see light. Now, I'm not asking for testimonies here tonight, but... How many of you remember the first time you came to the church, things seemed really crazy here? And it was very different. And how in the world could anybody think like that? I mean, it is that Stone Age stuff. Uh, uh, Well, that's because God's Word hasn't changed. Amen? And then you begin to see the difference between righteousness and unrighteousness. And then all of a sudden... You understood what it meant to get saved. And God changed your whole understanding of the world in which we live. How many would say, that happened to me? Just lift up, Let's lift up some hands here. Give some testimonies to this. That's what the Bible does. The reason this book is so confusing is because God's not going to give you any more light until you take what He's given you. You have to start by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. And the more you believe in Jesus, the more light you will get. All of a sudden, that crazy preacher won't be so crazy anymore. Or you just became crazy like he did. Well, we'll leave that one up. Let me tell you something. God is not crazy. And the most foolish thing a human being can do is close their eyes to the light of the Scripture. Let's go to Psalm 27. We'll be done. Hopefully your finger's still there. I lost my place, but I'll find it quickly. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Now, that's how David starts this psalm. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Who do I need to be afraid of? 
Jesus said, the only one we need to be afraid of is not him that can kill the body, but him that can kill the body and the soul and cast them into hell. That power belongs only to one person, the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the light. He is my salvation. The Lord is the strength of my life. Now, what the psalmist is doing is he is just saying the same thing two different ways. The Lord is my light. He's my salvation. The Lord is the strength of my life. I don't need to be afraid of what's in the dark if the light is on. Amen. And the better you see, the more light you have. Amen? One of my sons made this amazing discovery and had to share it with Dad. As you grow older, you need more light to read than you did when you were younger. Thanks, son. I think that was Stephen. I'm not sure. Uh, And he was just using it as a little... Because I was putting in extra lights in my office because I already knew that. Uh, You've got to have more light. If you want to understand, if you want to read, you've got to have light. If you want the truth of Jesus Christ, the the way you're going to get more light is get closer to Him. You know why? He's the source. It's an amazing thing to hold a brand new baby. I call it with, still with the sticker in the window. Amen? And, and there's a special cry that little newborns give. Uh, it only lasts, what, maybe eight, ten weeks, something like that. Sometimes, not past three months. Once they get that, they know how to cry, and it doesn't sound like a newborn anymore. It just sounds like, I'm hungry. Mama, get to business here. Things need to be attended to. But that little newborn cry is something so absolutely incredible. Life. Life at its very beginning. Jesus said, I've come to give you life, and that life what? More abundantly. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. You know, I don't need to be afraid when the light's on. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before